Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. This is the PFT PM podcast. And now your host, Mike Florio. It's a Monday edition of PFT PM. I'm feeling pretty good today. No particular reason, been busting my ass all weekend long, even though it isn't work. We had a ton of content at PFT. The traffic is up. It's through the roof today. Football is back. This year, the slow time was so slow. I almost felt like it wasn't going to rebound. Like, it was a low watermark that we couldn't really recover from, that no amount of good news or any news was going to kick the lawnmower back into gear, but the lawnmower is kicked back in. We are rocketing toward the Hall of Fame game. That's Thursday night. Hall of Fame festivities Saturday night. And we're here. We're here to stay. PFT Live, ProFootballTalk.com, PFTPM. Not that much went away over the last four weeks but it was a different kind of experience not having pft live every morning when that alarm went off at 5:20 today and i had to get up then for the first time in 31 days that was a bit of an adjustment but it all it all worked out and off we go and football season is back and something that i and, and i don't I, I don't know whether or not I, I don't want to give them the free advertising because I'm not interested in doing this, but I was approached by the folks who have Cameo. Are you familiar with this service? You can basically buy a personalized message from an athlete, a singer, an actor, an entertainer, whoever, and they sent me the link and they wanted me to do it and they told me what the terms are and I, I'm just not interested. I'm just not. It's not for me. And... I, I, I'm, I just, the idea of, I, I just, I don't want, it's not for me, but my goodness, it's fascinating. Go to the website and just start like the, the, it is a hell of a wormhole to see all the different people and to see what see, you set your own price. They don't set the price. You set whatever price you want. So you could charge five bucks. You could charge 5,000 bucks, but you set your price. And it's kind of fascinating to see what folks think of themselves or i guess what it would be is you know what i'm only going to bother with this if it's worth my while so whereas one would be 49 dollars, another one's 500 troy aikman and brett Favre both want 500 bucks for one of these messages darren Ravel is one of the names that was mentioned to me he charges 39 bucks per message and i don't know anything about it beyond that i don't know what is suitable or not suitable or acceptable or not acceptable here's james white for this james what's his nfl is he yeah he's still on the patriots right yeah he should have been the mvp of super bowl 51 he charges 200 bucks this is fascinating a lot of people who are instantly recognizable and a lot of people who i don't know who the hell they are tommy lee 350 i know who he is ruth buzzy you know, you're still alive. She's charging 150 Now, if she's not really alive, then I would say the price would be higher. Here's Brian Baumgartner from The Office. Several folks from The Office, Meredith and Stanley 
and and, st- and and the picture of Leslie David Baker who played Stanley, Leslie David Baker sporting a rug. I, you can't go bald and then start wearing a rug, especially if people know who you are. You can, I, well, I mean Brian Urlacher did it, but it it's just it. I, it's like wearing a hat at that point. Here's Matt Barkley of the Bills, ninety nine dollars. I don't know. Do you want? Do I, like who who wants a personalized uh, no offense Matt who wants a personalized message from Matt Barkley and maybe that's why I'm ultimately not interested in doing it because it's like nobody would buy it RG3 100 bucks Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is $500 I, I need to see if there's a way to sort this based on price Terrell Owens wants 350 Jonathan Cyprian only wants 50 bucks Here's Brian Urlacher. It's a picture of him in his helmet, though, so you can't see whether or not he's wearing his hair hat. $540. That's the highest price I've seen so far. Fred Jackson for $75. This is uh, Corey Clement, $150. I'm just scrolling through all of them here. Matt Forte, $350. I don't... I Look, I... I, I don't... I, I just... I don't get it. I don't know who would pay for this. Antonio Brown, five fifty. He's got the new high watermark, five fifty. Warren Sapp, one fifty. Anyway, this check it out. It's fascinating. I, I, I first of all, I guess I knew it existed. I really hadn't paid any attention to it. But uh, uh, I mean, you know what? Didn't Antonio Brown was that cameo? Remember Antonio Brown? It was, it was, it was, uh, the copy either was poorly written or the copy was well written and poorly delivered. Either way, I think, I think we saw something like that from Antonio Brown now that uh, my memory is being refreshed here. All right. National Football League up and running. I'm leaving this window open though. I'm going to check this out later. I'm getting a kick out. Maybe I will do it after all. Uh, (laughs) Um, all right. What's happening? How about Ezekiel Elliott? According to 105.3, the fan in Dallas heading to Mexico while his holdout lingers. There have been reports from Jane Slater of the NFL, a couple of different reports that the Cowboys are waiting for Elliott's camp to respond to the offer that the Cowboys made. And I think Elliott's just putting the screws to him. It's not good enough. So just don't respond. And eventually... They'll bet against themselves. You're not supposed to do that or bid against themselves. In this case, maybe not bet against themselves. You're not supposed to do that. But, I, you know, that, that's how the ritual goes. There's an etiquette to it when you're negotiating. One side makes an offer. The other side responds. Whatever the response may be, it can be a ridiculous response. It just has to be something. There has to be the checking of the box because it is against all principles of sound negotiating for one side to move twice that is the ultimate sign of weakness and the cowboys won't do it and even if the cowboys and you know what maybe eventually they become sufficiently desperate they call elliot up and say are you going to respond are you going to respond what else can we do how about this how about we just tell you what our bottom line is i don't know i don't know but i i feel like there's a certain amount of gamesmanship going on here as there should be because Elliot has the leverage. So I had heard nine days ago he was making plans to travel out of the country during his holdout, and he is now reportedly heading to Mexico.
So if and when the holdout ends, he gets on a plane, he goes to Oxnard, if the Cowboys are even still in Oxnard when the holdout ends. But Elliott putting the, the screws as he should. We talked about all the holdouts earlier today on PFT Live. No progress with any of them. I was told Friday that the Saints and receiver Michael Thomas are close. They still don't have it done. Mickey Loomis, the GM of the Saints, said something today about they'd like to get it done or something like that. And I noticed in the item that was written at PFT about it that Loomis said last week that Thomas is under contract. Look, we got to stop this. A player under contract still has the right to hold out. There's nothing a team can do about it other than fine him, and that is baked into the CBA. They could have negotiated the CBA to make it ironclad, unavoidable that you must show up. That you could go to court if you want and get an injunction requiring the player to show up. And that if he fails to do so, he'll be in violation of court order and have criminal and civil penalties that go along with it. The fines could have been higher. There could be provisions in there that if you don't show up, they can send you a five-day letter demanding that you show up. And if you don't show up after receiving the letter and after the passage of five days, they can put you on a reserve list that shuts you down for the year. And I say that because that's exactly what they can do to you if you show up and then leave. The CBA has been negotiated to allow a team to put the ultimate screws to a player who shows up and walks out. That's why nobody shows up and walks out. You just don't show up. Because once you show up, the team has greater rights under the CBA. Remember, and I'm going to keep mentioning this because I'm going to mention this until I hear other people in the media speaking in these terms. There are two contracts at play here. Contract between the player and the team, contract between the union and the league. The player has rights under both contracts. He's not violating his contract with the team by not showing up. He is exposing himself under the broader contract to fines in the amount of $40,000 per day. For Melvin Gordon, it's $30,000 per day plus one game check, regular season game check for every preseason game he misses because different rules apply to guys who are in their fifth-year option. For everybody else, it's forty grand a day. So you're allowed to hold out. They can't force you to show up. They can't threaten you with season-ending reserve list. They can just fine you. The question is, how do these holdouts end? And every team is going to potentially handle them differently. Cowboys, I think, are in the toughest spot because they need Ezekiel Elliott. Chargers, I think, are in the strongest spot because they don't need Melvin Gordon. Not the way the Cowboys need Ezekiel Elliott. That's for damn sure. In between those two extremes, somewhere land Michael Thomas of the Saints, Trent Williams of Washington, and Yannick Ngakwe of the Jaguars. And I think that's all five of the holdouts. I may be missing somebody. I feel like I'm missing somebody, but I probably am not. And remember, seven years ago, the Jaguars had Maurice Jones-Drew hold out all of training camp, all of the preseason. He eventually caved and showed up. And that key date for Yannick Ngakwe, and also for Michael Thomas, August 6th, that's when a year of credit towards free agency is forfeited because that's one of the rights that the team has under the CBA. If a player's under contract and holds out beyond the 30-day window before the first regular season game, in this case, August 6th, because the first regular season game is the night of September 5th, that's when 
the player loses the opportunity for the entire year to get a year of service toward free agency. So the player can still finish his contract, but what happens next year is he's a restricted free agent, not an unrestricted free agent. So that becomes problematic for the player at that point. But player may not care. Player may say, hey, fine, you're going to use an RFA tender on me next year? Somebody will gladly give up a first-round pick to get me. And they'll pay me more than you're going to pay me, so that's what I'm going to do. So we'll see how the holdouts play out for now. No movement, no resolution. Of course, by the time I end this, two of them will probably be over and I'll end up looking even less informed than I already am. We know that the Ravens will be signing a quarterback to replace RG3 in the short term. He has a broken thumb. Joe Houlihan, formerly the Green Callahan, formerly the Green Bay Packers, is back in the NFL. They wanted Josh Johnson in Baltimore. Josh Johnson said no thank you. They did not want Colin Kaepernick, even though two years ago they almost signed him. Just about right now. It was two years ago. They essentially crowdsourced the possibility of signing Colin Kaepernick, and they didn't like the feedback they got. And now that the ship that is Kaepernick's career seemingly has sailed for good, they're not going to call it back to port. Even though Greg Roman who helped get the most out of Colin Kaepernick in San Francisco as the offensive coordinator in Baltimore. And they've already made the choice between Kaepernick and RG3. And whoever takes a job with the Ravens, it's a short-term job. Now, if RG3 was out for the year, that's a different analysis. Maybe if Kaepernick would show up, he would be so good that they would decide to make him the backup to Lamar Jackson instead of RG3. But they gave Jackson a million-dollar signing bonus. What are they going to do? Keep Griffin, Kaepernick, and Lamar Jackson, and Trace McSorley, who they envision as a jack-of-all-trades. They need somebody else to get through preseason games, training camp reps, while Griffin heals that broken thumb. Joe Callahan gets the first crack at doing it. Looking at other things to talk about before we answer your questions today. There's a lot going on, nothing huge, but just a lot of little things. Ron Rivera talking about all or nothing, doesn't want to do it again. People don't want that intrusion. The Raiders are openly saying they don't want the intrusion. It's going to be interesting to see how much of the first episode of Hard Knocks is devoted to discussion about not wanting the intrusion. You know, I've said that the best Hard Knocks would be the one where a team is forced kicking and screaming to do it. The Raiders are the closest to that that we've ever encountered. Will that spill over into the shows? It should. The problem is it's not good for hard knocks. If, if it becomes a thing that it's kind of cool to not like doing hard knocks, that that's not good for the brand. Speaking of for the brand, congratulations to our buddy Pat McAfee landing at ESPN. He aimed high. He wanted to be in the booth for Monday Night Football. I knew it was unrealistic, but you know what? I think his zeal, his interest, his desire helped contribute to the gig that he now has, which is one of the analysts on Thursday Night Football for college broadcasts. They're going to be up against NFL games most Thursday nights of the year, but it gives Pat a chance to get reps calling games. Technically, there are things that Anyone who's going to do that has to learn. You learn it through repetition. You learn it through opportunity. And over time, Pat McAfee will get better. And the reality is there's a group 
of fans out there that love Pat McAfee, and he would be one of the rare broadcasters that could bring eyeballs to a game. Rarely does someone tune into a game to see or hear an announcer. McAfee would fall into that category, that very, very small category of someone who could deliver eyeballs and ratings points to a game that people otherwise don't give a crap about. That's that's big for him. So we wish him the best and see see where that goes from here. We talked about Tyree Kill and his eight-minute session with the media on PFT Live. I wrote about it yesterday. This is a very polarizing issue in NFL circles, unsurprisingly. Chiefs fans are going to circle the wagons and zealously defend Tyree Kill. Teams of other teams, or fan teams of other teams, or fans of other fans, or fans of other teams, or teams of other fans. One of the four is right. Fans of other teams are not defending Tyree Kill. The feedback I've gotten, the negative feedback I've gotten on social media comes exclusively from Chiefs fans. Exclusively. Because the tribalism that has infected politics also infects sports. If it's our guy, we're going to make excuses for him. If it's someone else's guy, he's a piece of crap. That's the attitude. So, look, all I know is this. Monday, or Sunday, excuse me, Sunday was the reintroduction of Tyreek Hill to the national media. Eight-minute press conference televised on NFL Network. First, we've heard from him since before any of this stuff happened. You need to take that eight minutes, and you need to make the entirety of that eight minutes something that sells you in a positive way. This is your chance to make your case to the court of public opinion. There's three courts that are relevant to Tyreek Hill. Court of law, court of Roger Goodell, court of public opinion. And as it relates to the court of public opinion, he said some things yesterday that that help him. The concept of growing like a tree, adding layers like a tree over time, growth. He's aspiring to do that on a daily basis. That was good. The comments about the remark that he made to Crystal Espinal, never again. He doesn't want anyone to talk to his sister or his daughter or his mother that way. That was good. The only thing that gave me pause was interaction with Brooke Pryor, the Kansas City star, because he's holding a grudge against her. Now, first of all, it's his right to hold a grudge. I don't think it's I don't I can't reconcile. Sims and I were talking about this today. How do you reconcile a guy who acknowledges that what he said was wrong, a guy who acknowledges his bad history? He used that word, I have a bad history. How do you reconcile a guy who admits that he takes people in his life for granted and he maybe doesn't treat them the way that he should and he needs to grow and evolve? How do you reconcile that? with being pissed off at somebody who was doing their job in reporting on the facts of the case that were available to her. There were two names on the byline in the Kansas City Star for the report that the investigation of Tyree Kill for child abuse involved the breaking of his child's arm. Now, later reports indicated that authorities determined quickly that the broken arm was the result of an accident, but Hill was still being investigated for child abuse. You know, the the facts are going to get a little bit jumbled in a situation like this. So it happens. 
being upset with her for doing her job when he is acknowledging that there are things he did that he shouldn't have done. This isn't Donald Trump denying everything and decrying anyone who would suggest he did the things he's denying. This is someone who is admitting that there are aspects of his life that need to be improved, but he's holding a grudge and reserving the right to hold grudges against reporters who may have reported on some of the negative things that he acknowledges. That's what I didn't get. The interaction with Brooke Pryor where he asked her name and he kind of smirked and he did refrain himself from going over the top in his reaction. That was the smartest thing arguably he's ever done in his public life. Private life, I don't know what smart or dumb things he's done, but publicly, smartest thing he ever did was avoiding what would have been the dumbest thing he ever did when cameras were on him. Still, the smirk, asking what's your name when she's asking a, a question that needed to be asked. Fair question. What have your communications been like with Andy Reid since the NFL decided not to suspend you? But he's upset because Brooke Pryor was reporting things or saying things he didn't like. And folks, we're just doing our job. If you want to be pissed at us, that's fine. But if you want to act out on being pissed at us during an eight-minute period of time when you're trying to reintroduce yourself to the world as somebody who is growing and changing and evolving and committed to not making the kind of mistakes he's made in the past, it's not the best time to do it. And I don't expect Chiefs fans to agree with me, and I really don't care. You have your opinion, I have mine. But mine isn't affected by or influenced by how I feel about the Chiefs. I love the Chiefs. I love Patrick Mahomes. All year long last year, I was on the Patrick Mahomes bandwagon. I love what Andy Reid can do. Are there issues with the Chiefs? Yes. But let's set aside our tribal instincts as it relates to the football teams that we like, and let's be fair and reasonable about this. All right, let me answer your question. That's, that's enough of that. And, and look, I don't know when Tyreek Hill is going to be available to talk to anybody else. It may not be until we get to the regular season. There's no obligation to make anyone available in the preseason. The obligations kick in during the regular season, twice a week, the players are supposed to be available. You can I, I don't think the rules regarding player access kick in. Teams make players available, but it's not the same as it is during the regular season. And we may not hear from Tyree Kill again until the regular season rolls around. All right, let's answer some of your questions on this Monday edition of PFTPM. And this comes from the PFTP and Posse. Today, Amy Trask mentioned tax consequences for the Raiders keeping training camp in California after moving to Las Vegas. The same argument can be made for, and Amy confirmed, the Dallas Cowboys keeping camp in Oxnard as opposed to Texas. So why haven't we ever discussed this before? Amy Trask responds by saying, Ooh, I know, I know, I know why you haven't discussed it before because you're not all tax nerdy like me. I didn't think of it and I was never a tax expert and I don't do my own taxes and I, I am aware of service days because my accountant asks me every year to tabulate the number of days that I work in Connecticut for football night in America the number of days I work or and for NBC like on Mondays during football season when I'm there for the show 
versus the days that I'm here for the, the weekday show, that that's all relevant. So I should have realized that training camp in a state with a high state income tax rate versus training camp in a state with zero state income tax, like Texas, like Nevada, that that potentially impacts your overall tax burden. Now, I think it's a, it's, I assume it's a formula, it's a ratio based upon your total days of service. So you've got your total days of training camp, you've got your game days, you've got your practices at your home facility in your home state. So I don't know how much we're talking about here, but it definitely is a factor. It's going to stick these guys with a tax bill that they otherwise would be avoiding if they had training camp in Nevada. Fittison Kane, what Chris Sims said today about no one except two guys getting credit on the Patriots, doesn't that apply to how he thinks about the Packers, except one guy instead of two? Yeah, well, Sims is all in with Aaron Rodgers being the greatest quarterback of all time, and he thinks that the Packers haven't had more success as a team because the team around him stinks. I mean, I I think you can harmonize what he said about the, the Patriots. The Patriots are great, not just because of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. The Packers are bad and have been bad the past couple of years, but it's not Aaron Rodgers' fault. So I think those two can be harmonized. Now, if the Packers develop other talented players around Aaron Rodgers, then objective analysis would require Sims to acknowledge that. But for now, he's of the mindset that Aaron Rodgers clearly is the best thing that the Packers have going for them and that their failure to get to the playoffs the past couple of years, their failure to get back to the Super Bowl since Super Bowl 45, that isn't Rogers' fault because he's holding up his end of the bargain. Others aren't. Dirtbag1327, how's your EA Madden Ultimate team going? Are you being sarcastic like Big Cat or do you want to know? I'm going to assume you want to know. I've bumped it up to, I think it's at a 75 now. Some of these challenges are hard. I've played two games online. One I won easily. The other one I got my ass kicked and I did the rage quit, I think, in the first quarter. The Usually when you do a, a game online, and maybe we need to get to the point where more people are playing, they, they pair you up with someone whose team is relatively close to yours, so it's a, it's a, it's a good game. I ended up getting paired up against a guy who had, I think, done nothing to improve his team through the challenges you can play and other ways of bumping them up. Although I won't, I won't, there's always a temptation to spend money to make your team better. I refuse to do that. Number one, I'm cheap. And number two, if I start down that path, I don't know when I'll stop. But I got paired up another time with a guy whose team was just clearly better than mine. And it's like, though, this is no fun. But when you get matched up with a team that is on par with yours, that's when you have some fun games. So, you know, I, I thought I had another week where I could enjoy my team that had gotten to a 98 in Madden 19. And the defense was just spectacular. And just I have I had 15 to 20 players who were rated 99 that I've just gradually accumulated. And now once the new one's out, you embrace that challenge of building that team up. So I built it from it was probably like, I don't know, was it in the mid 60s? And it's up to 75 now. But but the higher you get, the longer it takes and the harder it is to get the thing even better. Dirtbag 1327. Will ESPN let Pat McAfee be himself on the broadcast? Would hate for them to rein him in. I can't imagine that they would hire him expecting him to be anything other than who he is. He's a unique talent, a unique personality. I don't think you hire him 
to say, okay, now be something other than who you are. I think that would be a mistake. And I think you don't do business with Pat McAfee unless and until you're ready to embrace who he is and say, be that guy. Make this more fun. That's why he's perfectly suited for college football. College football is all about fun. Make it fun. I could, I, I, I think he I think he is going to now look, will the hardcore football people appreciate the analysis? Will he be getting into high level X's and O's? I've never gotten the impression that Pat McAfee took full advantage of his perspective as a bystander at practice, watching, learning, studying the nuances of football. Other kickers like Jay Feely, I think, did. I don't think Pat did that. So we'll see how much he knows about football. He may learn more about football as a broadcaster than he ever knew as a punter because he, what do you need to know? And, and I, I think he's got a short attention span. But you know what? I think he could be perfect for this. Not, you know, and and you, need, you need him in a three-person booth. He's almost like a mixture. I don't want to say Dennis Miller. Tony Kornheiser, because those guys weren't football players, but he's almost like that personality, but he's got credibility because he played in the NFL. I think he could be interesting. I think he could be good. And you know what? The end result could be Peyton Manning, Pat McAfee, and whoever Peyton Manning tells ESPN to hire to be the play-by-play person for Monday Night Football. PFTPM Posse. Overall, how do you feel... Bobby Wagner did on negotiating his own contract with the uh, Seattle Seahawks. It has to be better than Richard Sherman's with the San Francisco 49ers. Um, Bobby Wagner, here's what happened with Bobby Wagner. Here's my understanding. Wagner had people who who were advising him. Now, they weren't in the room and they weren't on any phone calls because you can't, you cannot be directly involved in communicating with the team on behalf of the player because to do that, you've got to be certified by the NFL Players Association. So Wagner had people that he would talk to when he would leave the room. When he wasn't negotiating with the Seahawks, he would call lawyer and other people who gave him advice on what he needed to do to get the best possible deal. And he said yesterday in meeting with reporters that he got advice from Michael Jordan. He is an endorser of the Jordan brand. He had access to Michael Jordan. He got advice from him. He got advice from a bunch of different people. And, and he said that this isn't an anti-agent thing. He just wanted to do it. Now, the thinking is it was easier for him to do it because he's the best linebacker in football. You take C.J. Mosley's deal and you pump it up a little bit. We'll see what the full structure is. We'll delve into the nooks and crannies, the guarantees, the triggers for the guarantees. But... Yeah, there, there's a risk that if you represent yourself, you will be taken advantage of. You need to be careful. You need to have people advising you who understand the nuances. It's not that hard to get up to speed on what the nuances are. I know what the nuances are. Not that I'm interested in advising anyone, officially or unofficially. But when, when does the guaranteed money, you know, how much is fully guaranteed at the signing? When is my signing bonus paid to me? When do I get the money? Because the longer you hold the money, that's the less I can make on it in interest. When does my money that's guaranteed for injury, when does that become fully guaranteed? Is it an early trigger? Is it a late trigger? If it is tied in to the start of the waiver period, that means you're not going to cut me. If it's tied in to the start of the league year, there's a chance you cut me. If it's April 1, that's a 49ers contract and I don't like it. So... Look, and, and here's what happened. 
And I got a lot of respect for Richard Sherman as a player. But I think Richard Sherman decided he's paying too much for his agent. And he didn't appreciate what the agent does. See, what the agent does, a good agent has the relationships already in place. And those relationships have been maintained and nurtured and cultivated over a period of years. So when the time comes to do a deal, you benefit from all the time and effort that has been spent by the agent to get to know these people. And I think it bothers some people like Richard Sherman that that it, it doesn't appear that the agent had to work very hard to do the deal. That it doesn't seem like something that that entailed the kind of elbow grease and effort. That I'm paying this person way too much by giving them 3% or 2%. Right now, the default on an NFLPA negotiated uh, contract between player and agent is 1.5%. And the agent has to negotiate up, the player can try to negotiate it down. But to get that percentage, you are benefiting from the experience, the expertise, the relationships, the interpersonal skills that the agent brings to the table. And a good agent... And, and look, uh, the, the challenge is separating the good agents from the bad agents. Because it's not like they, they walk around with a sign over their head that says good or bad. But if you get a good agent, a good agent is always going to get you enough more than what you would get for yourself to pay for that agent's fee and then some. So I just want the players to get the most they can. I want the players to be paid fairly. I want them to get the most they can. I want the teams to be pressured into spending more under the salary cap. And players play hardball. It's easier to play hardball when you have an agent. You know, Bobby Wagner showed up. He wasn't practicing, but he showed up for camp. He shouldn't have shown up. He should not have shown up. And I think an agent would have told him, do not show up. I personally think teams would like it. They'll never say this. Teams would prefer not to have to deal with agents because it's easier to win the negotiation directly with the player. Because then the player is operating on your turf. I mean, think of it this way. If you're, if you're a GM and you walk onto the field, you're stepping into the player's environment and he is going to destroy you. If you're a player and that's your expertise and that's what you know and that's what you do and that's what you study and you step into that conference room to negotiate directly with a GM that's when he's got the potential to destroy you. And a lot of these people are very competitive and they just want to win. And every dollar they save in your negotiation is one more dollar they have to sign somebody else. Now, with that said, it appears that Bobby Wagner got himself a good deal, but he should have gotten himself a good deal because he's the best linebacker in football. I still think a good agent would have gotten him enough to get Bobby Wagner even more money and to pay for the agent's fee. The Richard Sherman deal last year was a bad deal. It was so bad that the NFLPA had to step in and convince the 49ers to adjust some of the terms to make it not quite as bad. I mean, here's Richard Sherman entering the second year of his contract. He has no guaranteed money. He could be cut anytime before week one, and the 49ers would owe him nothing. And if he had been represented by a good agent last year, he would have either signed a one-year deal and gotten back to the market this year, or he would have gotten guaranteed money into the second year. 
You don't let the team have it both ways where they're only giving you that one year of security and they, they have dibs on you for year two and it's a one-way street that you don't have that security. You're at their mercy in year two. So anyway, that, uh, that's my thought on uh, for now. And, you know, I could say more about it. I don't know how much any of you care about it, but I, but I think the players should care about it because and, – and when Richard Sherman and I went back and forth a little bit on Friday night about the, the fact that Bobby Wagner had, had negotiated his own contract and, and Sherman's one – you know, I'd, it's like, I, I don't know why I engage the guy, but, you know, if, if he's, if he's going to make a comment, I, I can either just shut up and then people say, oh, you got nothing to say, or I can, you know, I can respond. And I ultimately want the players to be well represented and to get as much money as they can. And I guarantee you the teams, the owners would love a world in which there are no agents because then, yeah, every once in a while they'd come up against a player like Bobby Wagner who can get it all together. But a lot of these guys, that's just not their area of expertise. Their area of expertise is football. All right. Leapers 500, could the NFL ever be subsectioned or simply could there be more than one collective bargaining unit, say a quarterback's union? Remember they used to have the quarterback's club? Did they, I think they did the quarterback's club during that period of time when the NFLPA decertified. It was a voluntary, I don't know if you'd call it a trade association or what. But I think the way that that um, the, the labor law works here, I, I don't think it, it fractures off into different aspects of the bargaining unit they're all football players i guess you could make the argument that there's different specialties involved and one one union would identify the bargaining unit as all quarterbacks another union would represent running backs another union would represent receiver that would be very interesting if it ever came to that i don't think it ever comes to that but that would be very interesting if it ever came to that Leapers 500, how long will it be before the bigger market teams start to chafe at the league-wide broadcast deals when they see that there's money to be made with apps and OTT streaming where they can make enormous revenue distributing their own content, market-specific packages, game, etc.? It still falls under what the teams share. Whether they do a league-wide deal for streaming or whether they let teams strike their own deals, that's all money that gets shared. And one of the reasons, and, and one of the the ways the league can do this, the broadcast antitrust exemption allows them to go to CBS, NBC, Fox, ABC, ESPN, whoever, and say, what will you pay us for our collective rights? You don't just get the Cowboys home games. You don't just get the Packers home games. You don't just get the Patriots home games. You have to buy all of it. What will you pay us for that? Without the broadcast antitrust exemption, you fracture the teams into their own deals. They all become Notre Dame at that point. And that's what would lead to chaos because that's what would cause a huge disparity in revenue from one team to another, the big market teams, the small market teams. How do you do a salary cap then when the salary cap is based on all revenues and some teams are making a ton more revenue, other teams are struggling revenue-wise, but they have a salary cap. You know, then what do, you, what do you do? Do you have a team-specific salary cap? And is it higher for some teams and lower for others? And the teams that have the higher salary cap, they're, they're, they're going to have the better players. So I think that they'll continue to do this collectively. The question is, in what form does OTT 
takes shape. Will there be a strong broadcast TV component? I think there always will be. And I'm not just saying that because I work for NBC. I think the NFL knows that it needs to have broadcast TV to get maximum audience. You can chase the dollars, but the audience will be smaller. Broadcast TV over the air, NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, those networks are going to gather a live audience and hold a live audience like nothing else. And the streaming services can't touch that. Maybe someday they will be able to. For now, they can't. Another one from Leapers 500. Would it ever be conceivable that an NFL offense would succeed with a run-first design? That the quarterback and the receivers would all basically be backs who ran the ball? The wishbone was one iteration. You know, if you're doing something that no one else is doing, and this may be what the Ravens are up to, if you're the only one running your offense a certain way, it becomes harder for the defenses to deal with you. Remember when the 3-4, there was a period of time where the 3-4 was not widely used. The Patriots did it. Peyton Manning couldn't handle it. More teams started doing it. So if the Ravens would have a specialized offense that no one else uses, it becomes easier to beat defenses that are regularly practicing against a more conventional offense. The problem is the more successful the Ravens offense is, the more that others will start using those concepts. So I, I look, I think you need to have balance between the run and the pass. And I think if the Ravens don't have that balance this year, it's not going to be successful. It's just not. And we're getting mixed signals about how much Lamar Jackson's going to run. And the more he runs, the more likely he's going to get injured. You need balance. You need to keep your players healthy. And you need to always instill that guesswork for the defense before the snap. Is it a run? Is it a pass? And the more that you can confuse the defense and make them think it's a pass when it's a run or a run when it's a pass, that is the way to move the ball successfully because you take full advantage of knowing what your guys are going to do and the defense not knowing what they're going to do. Art Myers 15, can someone explain who and what is Posse? The PFTPM Posse, that's the group of, you should be able to figure that out, Art. It's the group of fans of the PFTPM podcast and they ask questions. That, that's, it's not that, it's, it's, it's not that uh, difficult. Mike Likes Dirt, is this tinfoil hat take outdated? I didn't listen to PFT at the time. Mid-August 2017, Zeke is suspended. Mid-September 2017, President makes SOB comment. Is it possible Jerry called in a favor to put pressure on the NFL? I don't know how that would help. How does that help Jerry Jones if he calls in a favor from the president to call out the NFL and its players during the anthem controversy because... Jerry's upset. I, look, I, you're, you're talking about ultra next level cynicism here, where if Jerry Jones could stir up enough of enough of a mess between the White House and 345 Park Avenue, and then Jerry Jones makes his run at the commissioner, the extent to which the commissioner is knocked wobbly by the criticism from the president, that would benefit Jerry Jones in his effort to take down the commissioner. You know, to the extent that the president stopped 
going after the NFL when the 2018 season rolled around, and that was after the Jerry Jones-Roger Goodell fight was over. I don't know. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a trail of breadcrumbs there. Tyler Furness, how good did it feel to be back doing PFT Live? It felt great. Today was fun. You kind of think, you know, can I still do this? It's been four weeks, and then you're doing it, and you're right back at it, and we'll be back at it again tomorrow. James McDonough, do you think Steve Keim has done a good job as Cardinals GM? He's closer to Ryan Grigson, in my opinion, than a good GM. I mean, they've whiffed on a bunch of their first-round picks. I like Steve. They've had a hard time in Arizona forever, really. Dating back to Neil Lomax, I think. They've had a hard time drafting and developing quarterbacks. When they've had decent quarterbacks over the past 20 years, it's been Kurt Warner and Carson Palmer. Their rookies have not panned out. Kyler Murray, if he becomes the guy that they hope he can be, the Cardinals are going to be relevant for a long, long time. And look, I, I hope I hope that that hey, look, I want interesting. I want fascination. I want teams that we want to watch. And I know it's a zero-sum league and For every team that's good, there's a team that's bad, and we're only really interested in the teams that are good. But I hope that the Cardinals get from Kyler Murray the kind of impact the Browns got from Baker Mayfield, the kind of impact the Chiefs got from Patrick Mahomes. I think it's good for football when there are exciting players that we feel like we want to see play, especially when they're playing for teams that currently are on the irrelevant side of the equation. Tree true, could the Chiefs put a morals clause into Tyreek Hill's contract? I... I don't know that I'm, what the Chiefs will do, I believe, if they sign Tyreek Hill to an extension. A couple of things. In lieu of giving him a huge pile of money as a signing bonus, and if they do give him a signing bonus, I think that they would defer payments so it will be easier for them to get it back if he does something that results in a forfeiture of signing bonus money, if they never paid the installment, then they don't have to fight all that hard to get it back. Or if they win the grievance to get it back, they don't have to chase him down. They have the money. So they would need to defer payments of the signing bonus. And I would go with significant guaranteed money in future years. You can easily now wipe out the guaranteed nature of payments and then you don't owe the player the money. You can cut him without having that obligation. Very, very easy to wipe out future guarantees. So there's enough there to protect yourself. The question they have to ask themselves is, do we want to do business with this guy? Do we want him to be here long term? And Nicole Hardman is a wild card in all this. Because if Hardman ends up being a good player, if he ends up doing the things that Tyreek Hill can do, and he's under contract, I think, for just under $5 million for four years, why are you going to pay Tyreek Hill $20 million a year? Tag him and trade him like you did with D. Ford. That's what I think could happen with Tyree Kill, especially if he wants $20 million a year and he fights hard to get that. Uncle Larry 112, while each team has to spend 89% of the cap over the measurement period, all teams collectively have to spend 95%. Do you know what the league-wide cap spending percentage has been the last few years? I don't think there's an issue with getting to 95%. I really don't. And... Uh, with every team at 89, every team's at 89. If you know, it doesn't take all that much more to get the total spending to 95 because plenty of teams will spend up to the full 100. What I'd like to see happen is I'd like to see the 89 move to 95 and the 95 move to 100. 
Bored to death, do you personally find Peyton Manning to be funny, or do you think it's worn out shtick? Media members seem to be divided on the subject. I'd like to know what you think. I think he's genuinely funny. I think he's got great timing. I think he's got great instincts. And I think he will be great whenever he enters a broadcast booth. And I know a lot of people don't like Peyton Manning, but I think that, number one, he's going to be successful whatever he does. And number two, he's got it. He's got that that intangible quality that allows him to be relaxed and tell a joke in 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 you know a live TV setting or deliver a line or whatever the case may be. I think that he's going to be great. Gigi McDonough, are you going up to watch Rodney Harrison get inducted into the Patriots Hall of Fame? Well, given that it starts in a half hour, no. It would have been hard to do. I wasn't invited. And, I, you know, Rodney may have thought, well, I don't want to impose on these folks to travel up to Boston. And it's, it's I, you know, it, 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 you know, I, 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 I wasn't invited. And I don't know how many people he invites up. I don't, I don't know how it works for the Patriots Hall of Fame versus the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But, uh, you know, I love Rodney, and I'm glad he made it to the Patriots Hall of Fame, and I agree with him wholeheartedly in his belief that more Patriots who were part of the team that won three Super Bowls last decade, more of those guys should be in. Of course, Ty Law is going to be in this week. More of those guys should make it. Jerry Bissett, have you ever tried a Michelob Golden Light? It's a beer much like McUltra, but it's only in a few states because Budweiser is afraid it will take over Bud Light. It's super good. I've had it. It's pretty good. I still prefer Ultra. Jerry Bissett, excited for new Madden. I already have new Madden. I've been playing it for the past couple of days. I Look, I, I think there's, there's something about this edition that feels more vibrant. It, it feels more responsive. It feels more fluid. But just the various screens... It's got a it's got a vibrance to it that the last episode or the last edition didn't have. I, I like it so far. Gigi McDonald could Washington trade Trent Williams, or will they be forced to release him? What are the options for Williams to leave? Yeah, you hold out and you either force a trade or you force a release. Period. And if he never shows up, if he doesn't show up by the Tuesday after week ten, his contract kicks over to next year. But at some point, Washington has to ask itself, what do we do by way of getting some sort of compensation for this guy if he's just dead set against ever playing for us? And I think what Washington is hoping for is that at some point, he'll miss it enough that he comes back. Maybe a contract adjustment. If you give him enough extra money, that changes his mind. But for now, he seems to be dug in. On tour forever, any chance the Giants sign recently released Cameron Meredith to help with their wide receiver woes? Hey, I mean, at this point, they, they'll take any help they can get, right? Dustin Miller, what do you think we should expect from the next CBA as far as off-season work goes? It doesn't make sense to get these guys in shape just to give them six weeks off. Also, are you expecting any more PS4 Madden codes, or have they left the country along with my favorite running back? I've made it clear to the folks at EA that if they give me more codes... I will find a way to distribute them. I've yet to be offered any more codes. I only had two. You know, it can be a pain to have a bunch of them because then you got to figure out how best to ferret them out and it just becomes complicated and people get upset. And I was able to get two so far. And if they offer me more, I'll find a way to get them to you. As it relates to off-season workout requirements in the next CBA, the NFL would love to get some of that back. They'd like to have more time with the players than they currently have, but that's going to cost you. See, what happened in 2011, once the players accepted the fact that they were not going to get a better financial deal without missing games, they started asking for stuff that didn't cost the owners any money, and the owners agreed to it. 
Oh, you want less practice time? What's that cost us? Nothing? All right, let's do it. You want uh, reduced padded practices? What's that cost us? Oh, nothing. All right, let's do it. And the players, to their credit, were able to check off a bunch of things, get some gains that way. And now if the owners want to get it back, or more specifically, if the coaches yell loudly enough that they want it back, it's going to cost them. It's like any other negotiation. If you want something different than what the rules currently are, if you want it to be better for you in one area, you're going to have to give in another area. On tour forever, would you get a permanent tattoo like the Steelers fan did of Juju if you got something super special? You know, I muse about getting a tattoo from time to time. I'm a little too old to get a tattoo. A lot of people have tattoos now. When I was growing up, nobody had tattoos. And if I was growing up now, I probably would have some tattoos. I probably would have, you know, I remember when I was growing up, you know, it was controversial if you pierced an ear. And I remember I wanted to get my ear pierced. And my mother told me in a very, very calm, but yet extremely persuasive tone of voice, if you ever show up with an earring, you eventually will have to sleep. And when you do, I will tear it out of your ear. And I never wanted to test her on that. Faisal Morali, who gets benched first, Marcus Mariota or Jameis Winston? I think what happens is Mariota gets injured, and then Ryan Tannehill gets a chance to play, and he plays well enough that it takes Mariota a while to get healthy. The 100% rule will come into effect, and he'll only be 100% when Ryan Tannehill cools off or gets injured himself, because I think Tannehill's got the capability to be pretty good. Dean Osborne, 42, my way too early Super Bowl pick is Bears versus Patriots with Brady winning number seven. What would your way too early pick be? I'm going Patriots, and I agree with you. It's like, you know, we, we spend all this time figuring out what other teams out there are going to be worth a crap, and then the Patriots are going to be there. I'm going to go Patriots-Eagles, but the asterisk on that is Carson Wentz has to stay healthy. On tour forever, how long before we see a team go with zero starting running backs or maybe just a blocking fullback and just use wide receivers in the running back spot for more flexibility? Here's the thing, though. You're going to run between the tackles with a receiver and get him injured? Running back is a special position. It's a demanding position. It requires a special body type where you have more armor on you, more thickness on you than a receiver would have. You've got to be able to withstand that beating. So I don't think that's ever going to happen. Recliner QB with Cowboys linebacker Sean Lee playing special teams. When was the last time you remember a star, or at least a former star, volunteering to play special teams in the NFL? Does it, does it bode well for the Cowboys that both Lee and Randall Cobb volunteered to play special teams? Yeah, look, there's always that, for an older player, there's always that challenge of if you are far enough down on the depth chart, you're going to get cut in lieu of a young guy that plays special teams. Now, if you're... A coach or a GM of an NFL team, you don't want to expose highly paid players to special teams except when you really need them. Like, you know, a kick retirement like Randy Moss would do once in a blue moon punt returns. But they didn't want to expose him to injury, so he didn't do it all the time. It's a, it's a tough balance because it seems like the opportunity to be injured on those types of plays is greater and the risk is greater then. And you may lose somebody you really need offensively or defensively playing special teams. But but for guys who are just kind of hanging on to the roster, the more they can do, the easier it is to justify keeping them around. Jordan's 21-12. If the NFL goes to 17 or 18 games, what happens to current player contracts? That's something that would have to be negotiated. 
they, they, they do something with the current deals. They do a proration. They do, so they'd come up with an agreement on how to deal with all current deals. I assume that would be part of it. Corey Dean, outside of the money, extra games, and stadium credits, are you hearing of any, let's call them, smaller wants or desires from either side in the CBA negotiations, for example, getting rid of marijuana testing, et cetera? No. I, I, the, the, for now, the, the, the big issues are the big issues, and the other stuff is just detail, and I think that's the reality. They get the big issues solved, the rest of the details get worked out. Panthers Austria, following up on a PFTP and Posse question from Friday, when owners refuse to pay a greater share of revenue to players, shouldn't the NFLPA push owners to cap expenses on the competitive side, coaching staff, scouting, et cetera, so players get more without reducing the owner's profit? I, look, the, the easiest way to deal with all this is take that 89% spending floor and push it higher. A salary cap is supposed to be the limit. It, it's... It's supposed to be the thing that keeps teams from spending each other into financial oblivion. So why shouldn't the max also be the minimum? And the gap between the maximum and the minimum should be very, very small. That's what they should work on. Stephen Wise, 89, you've said owners realistically view a successful season as something other than winning a Super Bowl, i.e. profit. Do you think players can be respected for viewing their seasons or careers in a similar way? I mean, look, the, the, the players get paid either way. I mean, for them, it's always a success, right? As long as they continue to pay your contract, you're successful. You're making your money. The way they've got it set up, the playoff share isn't all that much money. For the best players in the NFL, it is a significant pay reduction to play in those extra games, to put yourself at risk in those extra games. That's when you're chasing your legacy. That's when love of the game kicks in. So... Look, all the players, hey, if you're playing in the NFL, if you're a starter and you're getting a starter caliber paycheck, you're winning, even if your team stinks. Now, how good you are or aren't will speak to your employability over the long haul, but you can be the best player on a winless team and still be very highly compensated. Will you be happy? You know, you're, you're not playing the game just to go out and go through the motions. You're trying to win. If you're competitive enough to be as good as you've become, then you give a crap about winning and losing. So I, I think that, you know, for players, they win just walking through the door. But I think the best players aren't satisfied with that. And, and I think for the players, that burning desire to win a Super Bowl, to set their legacy, because they've only got, you know, a limited number of opportunities to try to win a Super Bowl. Ownership's got multiple decades right? If you get in young, you got 40 or 50 years maybe to try to win a Super Bowl. Players got 15 years at the most. Quarterback, maybe a little bit more than a position player. So I, I think that, that uh, the, the guys who play the game, I think for them, you know, there's a level of success relative to the rest of society that is presumed among themselves. It's relative. And yeah, they're going to they're gonna strive to win as much as they can. And I think owners want to do the same thing, but I think owners are, are more inclined to be realistic about what it takes to be successful as a team. And, you know, they're running the business and they're, they're not the ones out there who are putting in the, the effort, the sweat, the, the blood, the, the injury risk, and, and the, the raw emotion that goes along with playing football in a successful way. All right, last question, an important one, NFL leads. Have you seen Making a Murderer season two? No. 
<laughs> no, I haven't. So I've answered your question. All right, that's it for today. We've gone over an hour. We'll probably do one again tomorrow. I'm going to try to hold this at three days a week. I like those two days a week where I have an afternoon where I don't have to carve out an hour for this. But So I've resolved my angst from five or six weeks ago about whether or not I was going to keep doing it. For now, I'm going to keep doing it. Enough people have said to me, keep doing it. So I'm not going to muse about it anymore. I'm just going to keep going forward. Three times a week is the target. So we got our one in for this week. We'll either do another one tomorrow or Wednesday, and then we'll do another one Thursday or Friday. Stay tuned for the tweet that calls for your questions. Maybe we'll get a guest lined up this week. We'll see what's going on. We will be posting updates around the clock at profootballtalk.com. We will see you there. Thanks, as always, for some of your time. Have a great day. We'll talk tomorrow or Wednesday. You can find the PFTPM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFTPM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions.